All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will take a bite out of your heart and say not worthy <laughs> because you didn't give us five stars. And now, Howler Pod. Chomp them if they're taller, stomp them if they're smaller, mauler, brawler, legacy hauler, smoke that crow, earn this holler, mauler, brawler, legacy hauler, smoke that ant, pay off your collar, legio, eterna, Vitrix! Hello, howlers, welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the Fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Woo-woo! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. I love Nick as Cassius, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I love him more as Ephraim. I know. I think he might have outdone himself I think, this time around. <laughs> uh, you should, Nick, you should hear Ben and I giggling when we first listened to these. Absolutely cackling. Playing them like for you, each other. you are like I try to emulate your voices when I'm doing accents. Yes, so shout out Nick Brinlow uh, from Mary England. We love you. Thank you for recording these quotes for us. Mary. Yes. Like Merry Christmas. Yeah. That sounds like a happy place. It does. It is a happy place. It kind of sounds too happy for this episode. Oh, that's true. He needs to live in Sad Boy England. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick, from Sad Boy England. <laughs> <laughs> you killed it. Cheers. <laughs> All right, it's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment. Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie? Who are we studying today? Ephraim T. Horn. Sad boy himself. The saddest boy. <laughs> I wonder how Pierce got into his sad boy vibes. Uh, if you haven't seen the sad boy music video, please go on to HowlerPod on Instagram. <laughs> and it's uh, high quality. It's really it's going viral pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. Check it out. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't shit our suits or lose our hearts. I already lost my heart <laughs> at the end of Dark Age. <laughs> Ephraim T. Horn, a.k.a. Granier, a.k.a. the greatest freelancer in all of Hyperion. A.k.a. backflipping gymnast. A.k.a. sad boy supreme is a gray and a former society legionnaire as well as a former member of the sons of Ares. he was previously engaged to trig t nakamura before trig was killed at the hands of aja Grimace. boo boo he serves as a first person narrator in both iron gold and dark age this is actually our first character study on a narrator this is also our first 
character who dies while narrating. <laughs> That's true. I feel like I died. Death narration. Ephraim, he's about 5'7". He's shorter than me. <laughs> Uh, which is 1.75 meters for right. all you international howlers. <laughs> for all you <laughs> meters people. <laughs> He's 47 years old, but according to Lyria, he looks to be a man in his 30s and he also sports a goatee. Uh Severo, eat your heart out. <laughs> or wait, Victra, eat your heart out. She's yeah. the one that likes the goatee. That's true. Uh Ephraim is on the surface very rough and closed off and he doesn't seem to care about anybody including himself, but of course, we know better. Trig's death and some other terrible shit in his past left him extremely depressed. And as a result, he abuses the drug Zolodone, which reduces his capacity for giving a shit, a.k.a. <laughs> empathy. <laughs> After Trig's death, Ephraim works for the Sons of Ares. And during a mission on Luna, his men are captured and skinned in front of him. That's, that's the uh, previously stated terrible shit that we were talking about. Oh, right. Yes. Also, Trig being impaled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the sovereign, Virginia, she pardons the gold that's responsible for that skinning. And this makes Ephraim hate the Republic. He gives up being in the Sons of Ares. And then this feeling also contributes even more to his desire to isolate himself. After working for a while as an insurance claims investigator... Me and Ephraim both have the same job. Uh, Ephraim becomes a high-end thief who steals for brokers. Are you going to become a high-end thief? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. I'm putting a crew together. Oh, yeah? yeah. You didn't invite me? <laughs> well. <laughs> 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 well, I'm any, too obvious or something. You got any skills? I mean, um, what skills are you bringing schmoozing. to my high school? Okay. <laughs> you might be a good distraction, yeah, like a good upfront person yeah yeah definitely okay let's do it we'll what are we stealing <laughs> let's I'll talk about it you. on the podcast yeah i'll introduce you to the rest of the crew and we'll okay. see how it goes okay <laughs> uh he lives in hyperion city on luna and his only friend remaining is an obsidian named volga she cute aka snowball obviously we know we start out with that from volga lifts up the lid to the sarcophagus that he's hiding in that's when we meet the whole crew mm -hmm. um he's stealing some shit the razor of selenius Alun. right and then we um that's the first like heist and then we learn that he is in fact connected to holiday through trig so he and the crew are then contracted for like a new job it's a big one this is the kidnapping of pax and electra yes as Spoiler. part of that he um ingratiates himself to Lyria under the guise of Felipe. Felipe was so nice. Yeah. I miss Felipe. And then he uses that relationship to smuggle an EMP onto a Telamon ship. Almost kills Sophocles. And then almost kills Kavax, too, or Volga almost does. They kidnap the kids, but he can't kill Lyria. Well, he tries to, but then he decides, no, I can't Not do to. this. Yes. And he takes her with him. Yep. And then Lyria ends up escaping and then she escapes back to Holiday. Holiday is investigating the kidnapping. She gets led to Ephraim. Holiday and Lyria convince Ephraim to go back and get the kids. They pull on the heartstrings that we all know <laughs> are still in there. Right. They capture, or well, they kidnap Volga and hold her hostage, yes. basically. And Ephraim agrees. Um, he goes back, almost dies in the process, but he gets the kids back. And then he doesn't die. He gets a new leg. <laughs> right. And uh, that's when we meet 
Osgard. We uh, find out Sefi stole the kids. Then Ephraim becomes the leader of a band of obsidians called the Scoogie. Mm-hmm. Ephraim gets his groove back <laughs> and finds new purpose uh, through teaching the Scoogie, through his friendship with um, Pax and, you know, his weird relationship with Electra. Mm-hmm. He kind of like gets less sad boy. Also, Pax forces him to stop taking Zolodone or else he won't give his ring back. And that's really the biggest change, I think, in that he can start feeling again. Yes, Pax is a huge influence on him, for sure. We also meet Osgard. They do some other drugs <laughs> together. <laughs> Not No more Z, but some more fun drugs. Yep. And then he steals the kids away again, because there's like some fishy shit going on with Sefi and her whole situation. They escape. They go save Lyria, Volga, and Victra uh, from the Red Hand. And then Ephraim decides to go back and warn Sefi that Xenophon is a traitor um, because of Pax. He finds out that information and tells him. And Ephraim has like a sense of duty to Sefi and he cares about what's going on there. And so he gets there, but it's too late because Volsung Fa shows up. He kills Sefi. He kills everybody. Kills a lot of people. Um, and then Ephraim attempts to take out both Volsung Fa and Xenophon with a rig. And, and himself. Yes. And he's got a bomb. Uh, but he only succeeds in killing Xenophon, mortally injures himself in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and then Volsung Fa survives and eats his heart, telling him that he is worthy. <laughs> that probably sounded good with a double worthy. Yeah. That's our new rise. <laughs> So let's talk historical connections. And this week we are joined by our favorite special guest on the planet. Heather is here today. We're going to talk. Not just this planet, like also the other planets. Other planets, a few other planets. Like Like Mars and Mercury. Yeah, for sure. Maybe Venus. What do you think? Um, I, I don't know about uh, Venus. I feel like uh, Apple <laughs> is our favorite special <laughs> guest on Venus. So let's bring her on. Hi, Heather. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Of course. Thank you for having me. So uh, you're here to talk Ephraim, Savoy. Did you take some Z and get into your <laughs> Savoy vibes? You know, I didn't even have to. I was already in my sad boy vibe. <laughs> <laughs> that's I guess you do, you do live up in the Pacific Northwest, so that's like that's kind of like sad boy country up there. Yeah, it was literally thunderstorming this morning when I woke up, so it's a great time. We kind of had some sad boy weather We've today. Had three straight days of sad boy weather here. Yeah, in Kansas it was City like too. cold and misty. I I kind of like it though because I'm like. Ooh, I get to break up my sweaters. <laughs> yeah. It's nice if you don't have to go outside, but if you do, and I'm against umbrellas, especially because I think they're dumb and they're really like, they make you cold if it's windy. So I've gotten a couple pairs of shoes completely soaked, but it's fine. No, Ephraim's here. He's, <laughs> I have great company, you know, <laughs> for sure. Perfect. Okay, so let's hear um, the historical connections from our wise and wonderful researcher, Heather. Okay. The surname Horn appears rather straightforward in meeting, but it actually exhibits great fluidity from culture to culture. In Middle English, German, and Dutch, Horn serves as a metonymic, denoting persons skilled at playing instruments crafted from animal horns. 
It was also attributed to individuals who made minute everyday objects such as combs and utensils. Meanwhile, horn meant spur of land in Old Norse, resulting in the surname's association with topography in Norway. Finally, in the context of Judaism, the surname horn likely alluded to religious ceremonies involving the horn of a ram. It could very well be that the surname horn is extraneous in relation to Ephraim, but it's also possible that the name choice connects not to his skill at creating precious delicacy, but rather to his skill with which he steals them. Meanwhile, Ephraim is a Hebrew name that literally means fruitful. Such relates to reproductive fertility in biblical context, specifically emphasizing the cornucopian birth rates characteristic of Egypt. Ephraim was one of the 12 original tribes of Israel that would eventually become the Jewish people. It was Joshua, an Ephraimite, who led said tribes into fertile territory to equitably distribute the land. Though far from devout, Ephraim Dehorn lives up to his divine name in that he manifests great wealth by carrying out nearly impossible heists time and time again, sustaining himself and his crew much like the leadership of the Ephraimic tribe sustained its dependence with rich soil and wise counsel alike. Beyond Ephraim T. Horn's translation of fruitfulness into opulence, the meaning behind his name is also expressed through the juxtaposition between his likely survivorship and the constant death of those around him. While unequivocally a curse to witness loved ones perish, Ephraim's enduring grasp on life is surely connected to his endless ability to generate energy anew, especially in the criminal arena of Hyperion, in the same way the Ephraimic tribes copiously produced progeny in Egypt. Of course, we can't forget that Ephraim's own fatherhood of Volga was incredibly fruitful. She became a, an empowered woman, cognizant of her worth, and using such to fight for all the right things. Definitely a win for Ephraim. Damn. Nice. <laughs> did you have a tough time with this one? I really did, because obviously the ones that are the easiest for me to research are ones that connect to like classical Greece and Rome because I'm studying those and I know the linguistic background for them um but I did know that Ephraim was a biblical name so I kind of just jumped onto that and then uh, yeah horn is like it's a modern word but I figured that there was some deeper meaning so again Britannica I don't even know if that's the name of the website but Google helped me out a lot so When you said Joshua, um, you know, the Bal Jericho, I started singing that song in my head. The what? Okay. If you ever were in choir, every choir group had to sing the <laughs> Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister was. And the wall came tumbling down. <laughs> Anyways, so I kind of like started singing that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent um, work. Yeah. You should sing that to people you meet who are jo- whose names are Joshua. I'm sure they would appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure I have. <laughs> yeah, I actually wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> I'm sure they're like, yeah, clearly you're a choir weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> or like Veggie Tales. No, I was There's not like, into that. Show. There's like a whole song about marching. Yeah. I think I remember. Isn't Veggie Tales like a super Christian show? I watched it, but then I yeah. watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I had like the VHS of Veggie Tales. Mm. Yeah. Like, that's how old I am. And <laughs> also how I grew super up. Super old. So my parents definitely had a VHS. My mom would not give it away because she was like, 
in the future when all we have are the VHSs, we're going to need this VCR. So I'm right there with <laughs> That's you. <true. laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so Ephraim, Let's sad Ephraim. boy. Yes, our ultimate sarcastic sad boy man. I feel like Ephraim's definitely one of my favorites because I feel like his outlook on life is similar to mine right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kind of dark. It's becoming more and more pertinent. (laughs) Right. He's, he's relatable in that way. And like when you get moody like that, for sure. Um, I know that I also relate to him sometimes. You're you're more of an Ephraim than I am. That's for sure. (laughs) Ben's a sad boy. (laughs) (laughs) I can be for sure. So what is it for you, Heather? Why is he such a a standout character to you? Well, originally, I really disliked him. Like when I started reading the POV in Iron Gold, first of all, I was upset that we were only looking, reading about Darrow, because obviously that's all I wanted to be there for. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also just thought he was a terrible person at first. But then the more I read, I was like, oh, no, he's actually got such solid justifications for his outlook on life and I thought you know just having to go through life always losing people and um you know carrying that guilt of being able to survive when other people are dying around you was a really interesting um perspective and I also just loved his growth throughout um iron gold but especially dark age but I definitely didn't think he could be redeemed after he um abducted Pax and Electra. And if Sophocles had died in that heist, I, I would not be able to be here. <laughs> One of the clone versions. Yeah, thank God for Volga. She, like, saves his life. Sophocles' life. Oh, I was yeah. like, Ephraim? Yeah. He tries to shoot her. Yeah, but mainly he's just he's just hilarious. I, I agree. I, I remember I didn't like Ephraim that much until, like, Dark Age, probably, because I didn't like his trickery and yeah no i'm glad you guys said that because i I wanted to ask both of you about that like if you liked him at first i remember reading him and just thinking he's like he was extremely like toxic uh, yeah when you first start uh, he's dragging everybody down yeah and he's just like clearly like really hates himself and it was just like almost like acidic he was just like burning through that just like made you mean to volga yeah and that really turned you off and then yeah and he was just like I really don't like people that, you know, are, they hate themselves so much. They push away people that are trying to care about them. Hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. But once like Volga, I mean, Volga can forgive Ephraim and still be his friend. So we obviously can as well. And then Heather brings up a great, you like brought up a really great point there when you said, once you kind of get to know his story, it changes the way you feel about him. Once you learn his history a little bit. I do, I do think, like, at the beginning, when you read about his interactions with Holiday, like, she's obviously very stoic, and she, like, you know, she lost the same person that he did, and she's arguably closer to Trig than he was, but she, like, you know, had this mission in mind, and it made that sacrifice worth it to her, and so it's interesting, just kind of, like, we got to see all the different reactions to Darrow being a red through like Mustang and Roke and, um, and several, we kind of get to see those different reactions to, to loss through a holiday and Ephraim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. 
that that conversation between the two of them just tells you like so much about both of them and just the fact that Ephraim walks out of that conversation and almost like decides to kill himself or pretty much decides right. to kill himself at well that point. He <laughs> if not for the thugs he would have he would have gone over the edge there <laughs> and i like that holiday just told him you know at that moment it's like gave him an ultimatum i'm not going to do this again with you right you know if you're like this poor holly too she's like you know lost her brother and then she has to drag Ephraim around mm-hmm yeah, and I mean, like, this is 10 years after Trig died, so it's really the epitome of yeah. Ephraim's sad boy hours. Just meeting <laughs> in a cafe, wallowing. Decade. <laughs> sad we're, boy decade. We're in, like, a sure. sad boy, hopefully, just short period. Yeah. But he was in a sad boy decade. Yeah, we're, like, in a sad boy six months right now. Uh, it is... And another great part of him is just seeing him kind of grow out of that and realize how much he cares about people like Volga, um, how much he ends up caring about the two kids. Um, and then ultimately he's like sacrificing himself by the end of Dark Age because he cares about Sefi and her I know. Knowing. They're just doing the right thing. Yeah, he just cares about doing the right thing at that point. Like he could get away. Scott I, feel, I feel like he kind of goes back for Osgard. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, that's a good point. I mean, Osgard is pretty iconic, but he also just kind of believes in what the what Sefi's trying to do, like the whole, um, you know, separatism and and like self subsistence in the alt tribe. He, I feel like he thinks that's a really good way of approaching um reform and he wants to be a part of that which is huge growth from where we meet him right yeah i think that that really did strike a chord with ephraim the fact that the obsidians wanted to make their own society and he's like that really he really respected that it seemed like and um and then also i think he also just really wanted to stick it to xenophon right <laughs> like, who wouldn't yeah <laughs> he definitely hated them and um you know Ephraim trained his scoogie too like he went back for many reasons but they kind of the scoogie became like his new squad because he had lost that squad horribly so this was like his chance right to have a squad not get brutally murdered but then it (laughs) happened anyways right and he says like he doesn't care about people but I think that you can see in Iron Gold when Dano gets killed and Kyra died or get murdered, basically, that it does really affect him. And yeah. even though he says, like, I don't care about these people, I only really care about Volker or whatever, they're just his crew. Who's the crew member that stole his money? Was it the Green? It was Kyra, yeah. And, yeah, he still was really upset. And he still is, like, wanting to kind of get revenge for them when he decides to go back. Like, that's a part of him going back, too. It's like... To get the kids. Yeah. Mm. Um, because they kill Kyra, and he wants to get back at the at the Duke. And so, like, it's... No matter how much he says, I don't care about people, he, like, cares deeply about other people. I know people like that. <laughs> gotta guard your soft interior with a heart of of stone um 
but I, I also just you see how much he cares about Lyria, even though he only knows her for a couple of weeks, and his entire relationship with her is built on this live him being Felipe. Like he still yeah. really has a hard time carrying through carrying out the the mission and like using her as a pawn in that. And obviously, he hesitates to kill her when he does carry that out. Yeah. That's a really great point. It's like, I feel like a lot of Iron Gold is Ephraim trying to be a, wor- a way worse person than he actually is. And so he always gets up to that point. He gets to the point on the ledge where he wants to like jump off. He gets to the point where he's like about to shoot Lyria and he can't it's, do it. It's the Zolodone, man. <laughs> if he wasn't on Zolodone, he wouldn't be such an asshole. That's true. He's like, because he would feel more. Right. He's not feeling and didn't his feelings. He, didn't he actually pull the trigger? But. It, safety was on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And he's like well fuck <laughs> it out. he did choose to kill her that's true i guess that's a good point yeah but he couldn't do it a second time no yeah he couldn't and he was about to kill sophocles we do have to hold that against him i mean we really that's do <laughs> have to draw the line somewhere save org. from Heather, what are some of your favorite Ephraim interactions? Um, I really love when he breaks in to the vault to um, re-steal, re-kidnap Electra and Pax for um, the Republic. I just love all his quips, you know, hatchet face, the name calling, mud singing. It's pretty hilarious. I really enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I also I feel like love... it really gives Electra some like center stage moments, you know. Yeah. Both her and Pax. Yeah. 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 Pax kind of kind of stands alone, but Electra, she really needs um, she needs Ephraim to call her out because otherwise we don't hear from her enough. But I also really love when he just like all the time with Ephraim and Pax on Mars, like they're plotting their escape from All Tribe. And especially when they're like coming in, sailing, do you sail a spaceship? I can't remember. Flying? Um, anyways, when they're flying I a know. spaceship, yeah. there yeah. we go. <laughs> when, they're <flying laughs> when they're flying the spaceship um, to defeat the Red Hand, that whole, those, all of those chapters are just so engaging. And I love seeing how he steps up to, to be the father that, um, that Pax needs, but that Pax doesn't even need that anymore. But it's really cool to see yeah. him assume that responsibility that he rejected earlier in the in Iron Gold. He's like the cool uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to your um, Iron Gold moment, I cannot wait for you, first of all, to hear our friend Nick Brenlow from England do his Ephraim impression because oh my goodness. we have like Amazing. a bunch of clips of it and it is incredible. I am um, thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying hatchet face. Hatchet face. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, but that, those are, that is a great moment. Uh, especially I love like that is Ephraim kind of in his element, like our, our favorite Ephraim, him being sarcastic, him pulling off the crazy heist. Yes. Um, it's just I love that, and then uh, I love what you said too about his impact, his impacts his, uh relationship, and the development of that throughout Dark Age was such like an unexpected 
really great thing that developed out little, of that book. Well, treat. Yeah, you you like would never expect that. I guess if you would ask me going into Dark Age, like who are characters that could get paired up together, like Ephraim and Pax would right wouldn't really um, you know be one that I choose probably. But, Even Ephraim and Lyria. Yeah. Really? Who who does Ephraim pair well with? <laughs> he pairs well with everybody. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he's like ketchup be or something. Unlikely. It, it'd be fun to see more, more Ephraim and Victra. We didn't get enough of that. <laughs> yeah, they were probably she was ready each other apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they that would might be, be like too much. Yeah. But they're both so like snide. Yeah, there's a lot. That's a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. For, like, we get some killer <laughs> yes, arguments. Good, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that ship has sailed, and we won't see that. But I would really like to hear them. <laughs> uh, just, I'm just thinking about now, like when Lyria's watching uh, all those, all the golds, like argue over what they should do about the Senate and Iron Gold, and Victor is just like, maybe we should just kill Dancer and stuff, and just hearing. I would want to like insert Ephraim into that conversation with all five of those, like Mustang and the Telemontises and Victra. For real. <laughs> he would be so great in that moment. Why do you yeah. have to go get his heart ripped out? Because he would care about For all nothing. the wrong things in that conversation. He would not care about Dancer at all. Yeah. He would just be interested in how it affect would affect him. So that would be really cool. Right. I also <laughs> like love... The way he seduces the Duke of Hands before breaking into the vault. Like, that's such a cool moment where we see, like, his the power of his words, not just his, like, the physical manifestation of his, like, um, thievery. Mm-hmm. We get to see that in the microcosm of his relationships, which is cool. And just, like, how good he is at improving, like, in the moment. Like, he's always so good yeah. at adjusting. And he's basically walking into certain death. Right. But he's just, like, he can bounce with it, and he can survive, and he can do Except whatever he needs to. not with Volsung Fa. <laughs> yeah. Even then, he's still in that moment, like, standing up to... He still got his, to blow up half of his face a little bit. Right. You know. He, but, yeah, I mean, I went he back... Gave, he gave him a stinger. I just went back and read that part the other day, and uh he's like so fearless in that moment he's like calling out Fulsung Fa and just like insulting him yeah and it's it's great I don't know he's just like even to the end there when he knows it's like almost certain death for himself that he's still um doing everything he can to like outsmart yeah Fulsung yeah it's great damn yeah. I still I still hope <laughs> Yeah, he's not dead. The heart transplant could. Um, they have cell regenerative medicine, like, and then it was all a dream. <laughs> Everyone's alive. I'm pretty sure he was in like pieces for I know. multiple days. I, would I know. Definitely be okay if like the last 125 pages were like all a dream. You know, like Earth doesn't fall, Ephraim doesn't die. <laughs> Ephraim wakes up and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he was tripping on Osgard's mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he like wakes up. It's all just a, it was a drug trip. It was a trip. Yeah. And Osgard's like <laughs> naked swimming in a pool next to him. <laughs> Do you have uh, 
a favorite Ephraim quote? Yeah, I was reading through some of the Ephraim chapters. I really love um, his interaction with Osgard when he comes back after when he poorly chooses to come back to the alt tribe and get himself killed. When he's talking to Eph- to um, Osgard, he says. He's drunk, sure, but functioning alcoholics are a gift from the gods. They're never quite out of the game. I think that's just such a funny, like, epitome (laughs) of Ephraim. Like, he's definitely pretty far gone, but he's not out of the game, and he recognizes that in other people, which I think is is admirable. (laughs) That is another really special relationship that develops over the course of Dark Age between those two. Osgard, man. They're really, like, kindred spirits. Maybe Osgard can be our, like... He's memory. still hanging around, right? Didn't he somewhere? Yeah. Out, yeah, he yeah, like he's... he was already blind. He already got he like a knife one in the eye, eye, and then he and then he blinded himself, right? Because of Sefi. Yeah. Tough. That's a tough guy. I don't think I would blind myself. <laughs> I don't know. A long history of blind prophets in ancient Greece. So maybe, um, maybe he'll Ooh. pull through. We can talk about it now. Do you think that there's anything to that prophecy? Like there's a lot of people that email us about that prophecy and have thoughts about it and want to make, make it, you know, make predictions based on it. Do you buy into it at all? He says, what I have seen was no trick. Fire and ash will come and end of worlds. Serpent will strangle wolf. Lion will battle lion. Darkness will battle light. Sister, murder brother. Son, murder father. Father, murder daughter. This is what the fire told me. All I have seen has come true. As others are consumed, Sephi will rise from the ashes to bind the obsidians to become one with red, to found a kingdom watched over by a gray fox. Well, Sephi's dead. The second part of it we know is not coming true. (laughs) Um, is the gray I fox mean, Ephraim? Yeah. He's dead. That I mean, I would assume great. it is. I mean, I think I could see, like, you know, Ajax killing Atlas and, um, you know, Mustang fighting Abominadrius. So I feel like, I mean, there's there's room for that to happen. But oftentimes when, like, members involved in a prophecy get killed, usually doesn't come true or but then there's also like the fact that pretty much in every single ancient prophecy you never can elude the prophecy so i kind of i'm kind of of a split (laughs) opinion on that i i could see how it could work out hopefully not pax killing darrow but um you know pierce is a tricky guy he's probably gonna throw a curveball (laughs) at us (laughs) I just don't really, yeah. I'm I've never been a person that's like bought into this as like an actual prophecy well, that we Osgard need to pay attention was to. on a lot of berries. Sure, and also like we know, like half of it is not going to come true already. Right. It seems like it also maybe could be like there's parts of it that could come true or meanings that are different than what just on the what's on the surface there. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Well. About the berries, uh, the the Roman Sybil, who was like the prophet for them, like in, inhaled sulfur, sulfurous gases to go into the trance state in which they would see prophecies. So mm. um, 
you know, I that doesn't seem off key to the whole like enter a trance so that you can see beyond the present time. But you know, we know that Osgard was a bit of a fraud, but I still think there's there's room for the prophecy, parts of the prophecy to come true. Yeah. I think that would play in well too, because it that's a good point that you just made. It's like I think one of the reasons they got along so well is that they're both con men. Yeah. <laughs> uh and I and like and, and drug. Yeah. And drugs, yeah. <laughs> Common drugs? Yeah. And I'm typically of the mind with like prophecy, like I buy into like more of like a Game of Thrones song of ice and fire type prophecy where it's usually not what you think it means or it's not alluding to as directly to something as maybe it sounds so i think that might be a, a situation here as well yeah yeah mm -hmm. i definitely think if the prophecy comes true then it'll definitely not be at like the face value that we could interpret right now i don't i don't right. think pierce would would do that he wouldn't be so straightforward <laughs> and i don't think that really plays into like the style of the books really either you know no so obviously we can't have predictions for Ephraim because he's dead. Um, but do you have any like lasting legacy that he leaves on our still alive characters that maybe like changes the paradigm, if you will? Of course. The best saying. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he has a huge impact on on Volga. I also think he has an impact on Pax too. Like Pax thought he knew what he was um, recommending to um, to Ephraim to go do. And obviously Pax is a very precocious child and he has a lot of knowledge that other people don't have, but he did get Ephraim killed. So hopefully that'll make him think twice there, just like Darrow has to learn, you know, pride kills. So I think Pax will, Pax will learn from that lesson and hopefully, um, take, take into account his, um, wisdom at trickery if he gets into situations that Ephraim could have helped him out in and then obviously with Volga I think I think Ephraim will be a super influential force through um hopefully we'll be able to to learn about her through Lyria's POV but I mean she I think if she ultimately is able to come face to face with Volsung Fa um and bring him down it'll because of be because of her um tutelage under Ephraim like she wouldn't have the confidence to do that alone I hope she can do like some kind of I learned this from Ephraim type move and take out Volsung Fa with Does it like a backflip and <laughs> lands on one leg on a ledge you ever seen yeah. freelance and shit like this <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just want her to yell figment <laughs> yeah it's fine I like the uh, what you said about how it could affect Pax too. I do think he's going to take a lot away from like sending Ephraim on that mission. That's going to have like a deep effect on. I always on forget him. that it was like his fault. Yeah. Man, fuck Pax. <laughs> I know Pax well, is amazing too, though. He yeah. love hate relationship there, especially since now like Lyria and Volga are both you know, in under the protection, 
protection of Victra and Pax is also most of the time under the protection of Victra. That kind of creates this like simulated family strife because he obviously Volga's upset about Pax's advice that got Ephraim killed. So obviously they're going separate ways right now, but I could see ultimately mm -hmm. some room for reconciliation within that, you know, household. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I don't think Vo Volga is a grudge holder. No, I don't think she will. No. You know. Like, ultimately, she's going to understand that. It's like, it was Ephraim's decision. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, she shouldn't get swung to Volsung's side. <laughs> We're going to lose, get mind-diddled Severo and mind-diddled Volga. I don't think oh, Volga God, would God. ever do that. Not without a yeah. pandemonium chair, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. She's too pure. Yeah. yeah, she's Snowball. Snowball. <laughs> All right, Heather, that was awesome discussion. Thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for inviting me. Super fun. Always always good to get in touch with your sad boy side. <laughs> <laughs> We're recommending sad boy content this week for the uh, episode. Have you consumed any anything with some sad boy vibes lately that you could recommend mm. to the Howlers if they want to get in their feelings? Like TV shows, movies, songs. Freaking Me Out by Ava Max. That's a pretty like sad boy music video. You know, just like listening to to rain. It's pretty sad boy, but <laughs> no, you know, my life is by Ava Max. You said, yeah. Said Freaking Me Out by Ava Max. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna look it up after this. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you, Heather. Nice. We're going to be sad tonight. <laughs> Remember to vote, though, Howlers. Get your votes in early. Yes. yes. Listen to Heather. Heather says vote, so you got to fucking do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Heather. Damn. Heather always blows me away. And she she's, like, in the middle of finishing her midterm, like, fucking dissertation paper <laughs> bullshit. Thank you for making time for us, Heather. Uh, Not you, that your school is bullshit, right? But school obviously, is very our uh, Hallerpod episodes are more important than, <laughs> than getting your work done. Yeah, we got to get this content out to the Hallers. I Definitely. Mean, but yes, thank you, Heather. Me. You always kill it, and you killed it again today. Killed it. Kilt you it. ripped my heart out and <laughs> called me worthy. <laughs> Wait, does that make her the bad guy? No, I think it. Just what if I enjoyed her, it? Makes though. her a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Worthy. <laughs> All right, so let's talk legacy real quick here with Ephraim. There's really just one thing I want to cover with Ephraim's legacy. Yes. And I think we, we talked about a lot of his legacy with Heather already. We've done a great job covering that. Good job, Hallerpod. Pat on the back. Yes, Hallerpod. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. But there's one thing that I took away from Ephraim that I really wanted to share, and I know you're going to make fun of me because I'm about to get kind of serious Are you going to become a sad boy just now? Yes. Okay. I'm going to become like a serious sad boy, and, and you're going to tease me. It's okay. I'm, I'm let's, okay with it. Let's make sure that we play some sad boy music <laughs> over this part. <laughs> I think there's one important takeaway for all you sad boys out there, and Ephraim's legacy should be that it's cool to care. It's cool to care about yourself. It's cool to care about other people. It's cool to care about causes and things that are important to you. It's cool to vote. Exactly. It, it's just all that type of stuff. 
Um, don't let people like get you down about that type of thing. And I know life can seem extremely meaningless at times, but it is like the things that you care about that make it meaningful. Uh, and I think that Ephraim is such a good illustration of that. We see his evolution throughout these books from being like an extremely toxic, terrible person that turns off the reader initially to someone that is like you fully embrace his growth throughout that process and his understanding of himself uh, is like extremely important. So if you're feeling like that or whatever, I know I've been in that situation where I've been that person that's feeling like I want to push everybody away and be a sad boy. Especially easy to do during COVID when like all your shit gets canceled. Right. But finding things to care about uh, and things that you specifically care about that mean a lot to you uh, is really important. So I think that should be his legacy and what you should take away from his, his character arc. Also, family isn't what you're born into. It's who you make your family. And Ephraim made Volga his <laughs> daughter right. as you, or niece. <laughs> Um, and then he, he goes on to like make even more family members in uh, Pax and even in um, Osgard. They become bros. Yeah. And then even in Lyria, you right. know, he kind of like accidentally mentors her. Yeah, this is a common theme you see in a lot of fiction, but I think that it's an important takeaway from Ephraim, uh, you, especially the Ephraim and Volga uh, relationship because just think about how what they were born into both of them were born into families um or places that you know did not care about them at all volga was literally thrown out to earth to be like a a grunt um picking up boxes right ephraim was literally conceived so that his mom could get more food rations and send him off to be in the army Great, I mean, great parentage <laughs> right so these are two people that you know were born into a world where they had nothing and nobody cared about them, but they found each other and they decided to care about each other. And you can do that with your own relationships. I think that Ephraim and Volga are just such a great uh, illustration of that idea. Yes. Okay, let's move on to... I think we did great. We already talked about predictions with Heather, so let's do fan casting real quick. Okay, we have a few. I think our favorite one, just in terms of like what Ben and I are currently into and like attitude and, and looks is, and after listening to Nick's (laughs) recordings is Carl Urban from the boys, which if you haven't watched yet, you need to find an Amazon prime password and watch it. (laughs) Yes. This is a great call. I feel like he's, he's got our Ephraim attitude down really well. And he, he's already got the look kind of, he might be a little large, He's but like too tall, yeah. which is, you know, interesting for us because everyone's normally not inhuman enough. His character on The Boys is Billy Butcher. Butcher. And the attitude of that character and kind of his his whole vibe is our like a uh, very Ephraim type vibe. It's so. like he doesn't give a shit, but then he continuously like risks his life to save everybody. Yeah. But then he's like, I don't fucking care about you. <laughs> Was that a good accent? Yeah, thank you. Um, And then, kind of second place, both of these men are too old, but like we kind of feel like they feel like Ephraim. So a younger version of Edward Norton, 
version of Edward Norton that I'm thinking of with Ephraim is if you've ever seen the movie Rounders. This is kind of for my, my old people out there. Uh, it's an old poker movie from like the late 90s, but he plays a character named Worm who's like a con man and very fast talker. And he likes to uh, improv and he does all these types of like card mechanic type things. He's a card cheat and that kind of stuff. So um, that the vibe of that character really fits Ephraim really well, too. And then another person who matches the Ephraim vibe, in my opinion, is Jerome Flynn, who played Braun in Game or yeah, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, Game of what? <laughs> and he's also like, I don't give a shit, whatever. But then he like goes out of his way to like save Tyrion, and, right? And he actually clearly does care, but like he acts like he doesn't, right? So it's it's all that vibe from all three of these men. All right, fan casting complete. Let's go ahead and move on to. The Prime Five. Our top five best character moments for Sad Boy Ephraim. <laughs> okay, we have some Nick quotes to go along with these, too. Fuck yeah, we do, so, Nick. Uh, we'll play those as we go. Our first moment, number five on the list, is Ephraim's escape from Eagle's Rest. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Escape, quote unquote. <laughs> yes. <exactly>. Escape. <laughs> um, near escape, near death. But I just, just love Just like him. a shit show, and you're like, what are you doing? Yes. Put and some shoes on. The fact that he's just like, I'm just going to go out the window and climb down a mountain. Yeah. And lose my <laughs> slippers and almost die. <laughs> and then, I mean, the best part of it is obviously when Valdir shows up, and he's like, oh, shit. And he's got to talk to Valdir, and he's actually got the balls to like be making dick jokes. Yeah, to Valdir, the unshorn. The unshorn at this point, it's just not yet shorn. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, Nick reading that quote, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Well, this isn't where I park my ship. Have you seen it? Shiny, long, two swollen engines at the stern, plenty of thrust. Plenty of thrust. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love Nick so much. <laughs> this isn't where I parked my ship. Hey, can Nick be part of our crew? Oh, like our heist crew? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get him in. We definitely need somebody with a, an accent. Well, yeah. to make it like a worthwhile crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, number four on our Prime 5. This is... Obviously, rescuing the children from the Duke of Hands, and when he's also when he's reunited with Volga and Lyria. Right. So we. This is a double. This is a double moment. This is kind of like his just all of his relationships. He's just funny, man. Yeah. He's got the quips. So we talked about getting the kids back with Heather already, but yes. we we promised some quotes from Nick uh, from this part as well. So we have him saying. Hatchet face and half breed here too. And Don't ruin it by saying it in your stupid American accent. Okay. I'll just let Nick do it. Quiet hatchet face. Half breed? What the hell was that for? <laughs> hatchet face. Dude, I'm I need to listen to Nick on repeat so my accents get better. And uh -huh. then uh when he's reunited with Volga and Lyria. Yeah, so this is just a really long chapter actually in dark age i went back and read it the other night um and we get the whole situation with them coming out of the mines yes um and then we have the whole reunion time so there's like 
we get to see a moment with Ephraim and Lyria, and then we also get a moment with Ephraim and Volga. Multiple moments, actually. This is when the same chapter when they go visit Trigg's statue, and we get that whole story. Oh, and I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, explaining that to Volga and what how much like he means to him, and and then you know in the next chapter or two, that's basically when Ephraim makes the decision to go back and help Sefi. So I think it's actually at the end of the chapter. It's like it all happens in one chapter. They're reunited. They get to have their talks. And then by the end of that chapter, Pax shows up and tells him that Xenophon is the traitor. And he Thanks, decides Pax. to go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, those two moments, just like the interactions he has with those two kids are just so fantastic. And then he has these very special relationships also with Volga and Lyria. We get that great moment where Volga tells him, you know, you're like a father to me. And, or an uncle. and then she says, Ben was super right about that <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> she does say that. That's interesting. You don't remember that part? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And so we have a quote from Nick here as well. And this is when him and Volga are first reunited. Hello, Snowball. Ah, Snowball. He really, like, captures the the feeling. He just really reminds me of... Uh, Butcher. <laughs> like, I feel like Nick, like, looks like Butcher now. You can feel the emotion in his voice there, though. Oh, snowball. <laughs> All right. What's number three, Ben? How about the time that he kills a fucking dragon? Yes. Like. Like, Kasefi can't. Is that cool? I mean, the fact <laughs> that he does it while um, Baldir is, like, looming over him <laughs> yeah. like don't kill my girlfriend <laughs> yeah. and Sefi <laughs> both ladies <laughs> that's true he's like worried about Sefi and Freehild right yeah but yeah I mean this is just speaks to how badass Ephraim is like of all the cool things that he does just the fact that he's skilled man he also kills a dragon and he's saves got gunslinging backflipping skills the queen of the obsidians is just incredible all right, coming up next, uh, obviously, Worthy. Mm, tough moment for everyone involved. But it's a top moment because, don't forget, he walks in there strapped with a bomb, ready to, like, blow Volsung Fa up and sacrifice himself. And it wasn't for nothing because he did kill that bitch Xenophon. That's true. And, you know, he hurts Volsung Fa, not mortally, but, like, it's good to get a scratch on him. <laughs> That's true. Feels good. And it just like shows you the evolution of this character. Could you ever imagine in the, after reading the first couple chapters of Iron Gold that this character would progress to the point where he's sacrificing himself for a culture he has no connection to, people he doesn't really know. I mean, he knows he spent some time with them, but nothing like you would expect him to like care extremely deeply about it he's doing something that you know somebody else asked him to do it's like i could never imagine Ephraim doing any of those things at the beginning of iron gold you know i don't want to be like a a child killer but like i wish pax would have fucking done it and not Ephraim. i feel like you're super mad at pax i forgot it was what i'm getting out of this podcast (laughs) like how like what gives him the right <laughs> to kill Ephraim? 
Everyone what did he think was going to happen? He wouldn't have done it if he didn't know. <sighs> he knew what he was walking into. I was just like, come on, Pax. He had the option to leave. He could have gone back to Earth. Why didn't Pax go? And we ha- could still have fun well, pa- Ephraim. Pax 10 years old. We don't need Pax. We need <laughs> Ephraim. We're going to need Pax. <sighs> okay. He's going to be an important part of this He book. better become a por- an important part because if he doesn't, then... You know, Pax is not worthy. Worthy. And he does have like a. This is actually, I believe, his final piece of dialogue. So we have Nick recording this as well. He has a pretty great line to go out on. Hey, Milky, do you like riddles? What do you call a piece of shit with a bomb in his pocket? Yeah. So he says that line. He unzips the front of his scarab skin to show the scar. That the heart spike is no longer that's been taken out. Oh yeah, because he's pretending like yeah. it's working. And then the last thing that he says is, "Oops." Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Milky. <laughs> Man, I wish I was as good at insulting people. It's All a right. Skill I need to practice. Let's go on to our number one moment. I feel like you guys can probably predict what this is, but. Aaron, why don't you go ahead and tell him? It involves cleaning. <laughs> this is a super chill cleaning moment. Just cleaning. <laughs> this is when he's high on uh, Osgard's berries. And he Spirit berries! <laughs> and he <laughs> shoots ahead of the obsidian <laughs> uh, group, and he um, lands in the middle of the robots with his rifle, quote-unquote, <laughs> ready to blow shit up, and... The robots don't kill him because they're like, he's not a threat. And he has a mop. Where did he get the mop? From the ship because he grabbed it because he thought the mop was a gun. Who's mopping these ships? I don't know. It's Scoogie, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) They got really clean floors. Not anymore. He stole the mop. And he has like no armor on, just like a pair of grab boots. He's just hanging out and the grab boots are too big on him. Yeah. And he's just like screaming at the other obsidians to like, Like, come on. Let's go. And they're just like, what? They're like, this guy. <laughs> Come on. Amazing. Just everything that we love about Ephraim, you know, the drug use, the brazen attitude. Um, it's all just, you know, and then the like, oh shit, I fucked up and trying to figure it out from there type situation as well. Just everything that we love about Ephraim just rolled up into a ball on this singular moment. The mop moment. Like Pax isn't going to give us a mop moment. Yeah. I mean, really one of the true, like, positive highlights of Dark Age. Was the mop. <laughs> yes. Pierce was like, here's a little carrot. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. That was our top five character moments. Obviously, there are many more. We love our sad boy F. He's hilarious. It was re- This was really hard for me to get this down to five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of great quips. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was trying to decide do we need quips? Do we want get moments? It's like, it's difficult. This, difficult this is job. a good list. It is. All right, let's move on to Prime or Pixie. Did Ephraim survive the Hallerpop passage of in depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. Okay, let's uh, go to the listeners. I think our first email is from. Stephanie, Aaron's going to read this one. Stephanie says, Ephraim is a man who started out as Pixie and became Prime. 
This is a Pixie Prime sitch. She says, uh, Stephanie says, I actually hated him in Iron Gold. It wasn't until he rescued the kids and then he had some of the best banter ever with Electra and Pax that I actually started to like him. Before that, he was infuriating. After I finished reading Iron Gold the first time, I read a review that said Ephraim is an example of soldiers with PTSD. During my reread, I was more sympathetic but still very angry with him. The way he treated sweet Volga was despicable. She is the one person in his life who cares for him and wants to help, but he pushed her away. The way he refused to deal with his grief was just so sad and infuriating, but really it was throwing away all morals and ethics when he manipulated Lyria and kidnapped the children that made him a pixie. There was a glimmer of hope, though, because he spared Lyria and he cared enough for Volga to rescue Pax and Electra. His redemption arc in Dark Age, as well as being the, the comic relief we needed in that gut-wrenching book that truly turned him around. He found purpose, and he learned to appreciate Volga. His, uh, his last scene with Volga, my heart was ripped out first. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew after that Pierce was going to kill him, but what a worthy death scene. Take a drink, because it needs to be said again what a great writer Pierce is to turn a character that I didn't like and make me mourn his death. What a beautiful character development. Ephraim left this world prime. Cheers, Stephanie. Cheers. Great email. All right. Our next email is from Patrick in Austin, Texas. What's up, Patrick? He says, Ephraim might be my favorite new character of the second trilogy due to the complexity of emotions he experiences over the course of his story and how beautifully Pierce wrote his character arc. Drink. Throughout the original trilogy, we see our heroes incur losses on their path to victory, but these losses are largely minor footnotes to our heroes by the time they get their storybook endings of love, happiness, and victory at the end of Morningstar. That's all fine and well for our heroes, but they didn't watch the love of their life get skewered like a kebab by Asha Akrimis and have that scene haunt their every waking moment for a decade. Ephraim joined the Rising in a bid to bring Peerless Scarred and more criminals aching to his lover's killer to justice. Despite his success in doing so, Mustang pardoned most of the golds tried at the Hyperion Trials in the name of the war effort, leaving Ephraim feeling like the Rising was spitting on Trigg's grave. No wonder the dude left the Rising and has been hooked on Z and alcohol the last 10 years. Many re readers may not enjoy his sad boy demeanor for much of Iron Gold, but, they're also, but they've also never experienced a fraction of the depression and trauma he has endured. His character shines light onto the ugliness of war and the long-term effects it has on its survivors and the struggles they face when coping with their trauma and depression, which are emotions we don't see explored in great detail elsewhere in the Red Rising universe. It is a great contrast to the otherwise less relatable Herculean demigod protagonist. That's a great point, Patrick. Much of Ephraim's story is mired in wallowing and self-pity that can leave a pixie-ish taste on the reader's palate. However, by the end of Iron Gold, we see a change in Ephraim's character to rectify his moral compass and his attempt to make Trigg proud by safely returning Pax and Electra to their families, despite the rightful contempt he holds for their parents. Furthermore, through Dark Age, we see Ephraim make genuine strides of improvement by kicking his Zolodone addiction and earning Trigg's ring back from Pax. And if Pax approves of Ephraim's character, who would you say otherwise? Aaron. We also see Ephraim develop genuine <laughs> bonds of friendship with Osgard, his skugi, and even rectifies his relationships with Lyria and Volga. 
He also accomplishes many tangible achievements. He turns a bumbling group of nincompoops Skugi into an elite group of spies. He serves as a stand-in father figure for Pax when he's in need of one during their time as Sefi's wards. He saves Sefi and Pax from being absolutely wrecked by a blue-eyes white dragon uh, by interfering with Obsidian Creed with one hell of a beam rifle shot. That's what we were saying. Kill a motherfucking dragon. To top things off, he sacrifices himself to smoke Xenophon and is the closest anyone has come to killing the scariest fucker in the entire in the entire series. For all these reasons, as well as Pierce saying Ephraim was his favorite POV to write, we must deem Ephraim Tehorn worthy of being prime. Worthy! <laughs> uh, and then he says, as far as fan casting goes, there's only one correct answer, and that is Carl Urban. Jerome Flynn gets an honorable mention here, but Carl Urban would be a Grand Slam casting decision for Ephraim. Yeah. Who's the other one? He said both of the ones, yeah, Carl Urban and Jerome Flynn. Oh, Jerome! Yeah. Oh my God, that means it's it's fate. We're totally a howler, mind vibing, Patrick. We're, we're mind diddling each other. <laughs> Is that what that means? <laughs> um, he has a couple just interesting notes. He says here, when Pax takes ri- Trigg's ring off Ephraim while he's incapacitated, Ephraim threatens Pax to give it back by saying, "I'll eat your fucking heart." <laughs> Oh, man, the foreshadowing. And then Patrick ends his email for you, Aaron. He says, RIP tongueless. Thank you, Patrick. (laughs) RIP everybody. (laughs) Okay, next up, we have an email from Daniel. Damn, Daniel. I bet he likes hearing that. (laughs) I'm sure he's definitely... Never heard that. Yeah, never heard it before. We're the first people ever. Daniel with the white face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Vines for life, Gosh, bro. I love when we're just on top of, you know, cutting edge of jokes. Cutting edge of <laughs> technology. <laughs> so Daniel says that Ephraim's not only prime, he's the primus of all the characters. Wow. Hot take. Hot I like take. it. Spicy. Um, he says he's by far the most relatable character. And um, he's just a man that has been broken since he was a child. And then Trig comes along, makes him whole just to be killed without a goodbye. Mm. Worthy. Uh, the drug addiction that follows is horrifying and believable. When he finally gets clean, the gray shows us all that the best of humanity is the brightest, strongest, etc. It's those that are willing to do right, even if it costs them everything. That was Trig's lesson. Aw, this is a sad boy. (laughs) 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 Poor Ephraim. Uh, Daniel goes on to mention that he was in the service. He says Ephraim's character really spoke to him. Daniel says, I feel Brown gets it. I've read a lot of books since coming home, and I'll admit Ephraim is probably the best character I've read in a long time. Drink. Pierce is writing. (laughs) Uh, I don't believe that Brown gets what war is like. I honestly don't think anyone can unless you've experienced it. Um, But he's empathetic with what it does internally. I bawled my eyes out during the Dragon Mound chapter. That feeling of peace is infinite. I'll miss reading Ephraim's story. Same, bruh. We will too, Donald. We will too. He also uh, says in a postscript, enough of that. I hope Volga finds his old omnivore. Mm. Where is it? Um, and fucks Fa down. Yeah. I think that means kills him. I agree. Let's fuck Fa down. <laughs> Not worthy. <laughs> Not worthy at all. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Another great email. 
Thanks, Daniel. He has some good insight there for sure on Ephraim. I know. Being service members. Um, all right. We've got one voicemail. I'm not sure it's Ephraim related, but it's a fun one. Hey, Ben. Hey, Aaron. Uh, love you guys. I think I'm a little late for uh, the Ephraim Sad Boy episode coming out this Friday. Uh, sad Boy me, I suppose. Um, I decided to finally not be a pixie and give you a call and leave a voicemail. That answering machine-like thing was fantastic. Um, ben... I am really digging Conspiracy Corner lately, and I want to email you and just talk all day about your theories. So, uh, I guess I'll do that. Uh, Howler out. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Howler. You got to tell us your name next time. Did he not? Uh, No. Also, if you're driving while voicemailing. We encourage it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keep, keep your eyes on the road and don't get a ticket just for bluetooth it's fine yeah 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 yeah. that was a great voicemail um you can talk conspiracy corner with me anytime ben uh during that was over here gloating <laughs> and your howling was fantastic you Pretty were prime howler here you were actually not too late for the guess episode. what you're worthy <laughs> so um and thank you for not being a pixie and calling in so now you'll have to call in for another character. Hey, ma- let this be a lesson to all you pixies who haven't called in yet. <laughs> it's fun. Get a little note from Ben. If you miss Ben's voice, <laughs> he's like, hey, Howler, <laughs> thanks for calling. And then he goes, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. You should call and listen to it. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's uh, make the case for and the case against. I'll make the case against. Okay. He um, has low morals and he steals children and he pulled the trigger on Lyria and tried to kill her. And almost tried to kill Sophocles. He almost killed Sophocles. Um, He almost got Kavax killed and um, he emotionally abuses Volga. And makes her feel, you know, bad and stuff. And he's the reason Daniel and Kyra are not alive. (laughs) (laughs) So those are bad things. Oh, you know, he um, punishes himself and others for things that aren't his or others' fault. Mm -hmm. You know, he needs to learn self-forgiveness as well as forgiving those around him. So there you go. How'd I do? It was great. The case four. Okay. First of all, sarcastic, hilarious asshole, which we appreciate here on HowlerPod. We do love it. <laughs> Extremely skilled freelancer. Also Back pretty flips. cool. Killed a dragon. Or the only dragon, really, that we've seen. Right. I mean, and then the major case is that he's arguably had, like, the most character development in the story uh, definitely over the these second trilogy he's definitely had like the biggest evolution as a character he goes from like extremely toxic individual that you're like turned off by like i was like actively turned off by ever reading him into someone where i can't wait to read you know the next word <laughs> in his chapter every single time like i want to 
get back to his chapters as soon as possible. Um, and he goes from not caring about anybody, including himself, to caring about lots of people and being able to express that love. And, um, I mean, he goes out like a motherfucking G against the toughest motherfucker in the entire book. Worthy. And he's fucking worthy. His heart tastes good. <laughs> he's got a good tasting heart. Barbecue it. All right, Aaron. Is he prime or is he a pixie? I liked Stephanie's take. He went from pixie to prime and yeah. died prime. Yeah. I think that's a good hot take. I'm with Patrick and Daniel. I think he's just prime. Just prime AF. Prime AF. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Prime Ephraim. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? We're keeping the sad boy vibes going on what are we into this week. So We are sad. <laughs> Aaron, what are you into? I'm into a hilarious Instagram <laughs> account. It's mostly memes. It's called Emotional Club. <laughs> it's for sad boys. And it's like sad memes. <laughs> it's just at Emotional Club. Um, and they fucking crack me up. It's basically the opposite of like an inspirational... <laughs> Oh, there's also one that I love. I have two. It's called Unspirational. This one is like literally like an inspirational quote board. Like there's pretty pictures with quotes on it, but they're like horrible. (laughs) 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 It's like the first one's like, if you don't have anything nice to say, we could probably be friends. (laughs) It feels like things are bad right now. Just remember that they're about to get worse. (laughs) So I, I don't know. I find not inspirational things not inspirational things funny but Mm -hmm. emotional club has memes and you know we love memes they're just great sad boy memes aaron and i send each other sad boy memes all the time and we laugh and then we're a little less sad (laughs) so ben what are you into this week i'm into a movie it's called shit house nice but with an asterisk it's got a bad title i'll explain the concept or i'll explain the story of the movie here real quick okay is it new Yes, it just came out for rental. Um, I got it on iTunes on, on like my Apple TV. And the reason you I put the little asterisk in there is because when you're searching for it, you don't want to type in shithouse. You have to type in SH and then the little star asterisk and then T-H-O-U-S-E. Really? Because yeah. the um, like poster for it is the... S hashtag exclamation right. point percentage house. <laughs> Dude, it was like it was actually kind of hard to find because I didn't figure that out. I was actually looking up the word shit house and it right, didn't, like you, you it know. wouldn't bring it up. Uh, but anyway, the movie is fantastic. Okay, so it's about a sad boy and he's in college. He's a freshman in college and he's like away at college, so he's away from home. He's very close to his family. Like he has a m- mom and a sister that he's. Uh, really close to and he's been at college for a little while but it's his freshman year and he's really sad he's missing home and he hasn't made any friends at college but then he goes to this party at a place called the shit house hmm. and he meets a girl and then they have like a magical night together but then the next morning they wake up and she basically acts like she doesn't know him and he's like in love with her you know and so then it goes from there he has to kind of like figure out how to navigate this navigate finding friends navigate missing home 
And it sounds like um, it would be like a college type movie with lots of partying and lots of outrageous shit. It's not like that at all. It's definitely like a sad boy in your feelings movie. It's a drama. Um, it's it's like kind of soft and uh, <laughs> like, like like Ephraim. No, <laughs> no, not like Ephraim. Um, just like uh, emotional sad boy type of stuff. And it, it's just like really inspiring as far as like kind of finding yourself, finding your groove, like figuring out your life and coming into yourself. So it's like kind of a coming in of age movie. And um, so the title kind of throws you off. You think it sounds like Van Wilder or something like that, but it's not like that at all. It's like a really sweet, really good romantic movie that I would highly suggest. And great performances by the main guy. And then there's a girl named Dylan Galula that I'm now in love with after watching this movie. Oh, you're in love with her too. Yeah. She's going to forget who you are. Yeah. Um, um, and it got really good reviews. And the guy that wrote it, directed it, and stars in it, his name is Cooper Rafe. And he's like um, a young 20-something. And uh, it was all made super low budget but like it looks really good and i just would highly recommend it support art like that it's really good all right that's what we're into this week all right what's coming up next week on hellerpod it's lyria rabbit figmentum (laughs) 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 yes lyria of lagalos nice okay so get your calls in get your emails in we're talking lyria next week don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at HowlerPod. Check out the Etsy store. Email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Voicemail. Listen to Ben. <laughs> Give you the voicemail line. 1-800-516-1540. Find links to all this at HowlerPod.com, our website. Tell a friend about the podcast and tell a friend about the books. Tell everyone that Pierce Brown is a great writer. Take a drink. Rate review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then you're going to be like that dragon and get shot mm, from across the canyon. Yeah. Have a bunch of griffins flying after you, too. You wouldn't even last that long against Sefi. Nope. All right. Thank you to Heather for coming on this week's episode. Woo, Heather! Great job, Heather. She's our wise and wonderful researcher. And we appreciate all her hard work researching these characters and their historical connections. And thanks always to Miles for the fucking amazing episode art. Mm. Miles, you rocked it. He got some sad boy vibes. He got some druggy, hazy vibes. He got in his feels. He was smoking or something. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of smoke. (laughs) Love it, Miles. Thank you. All right. And thank you to the Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh. Oh.